This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. It's the bread called, what is it? It's the what is it bread. And since that was what was heard over and over again, that became the name of it. What is it? Mana. What is it? That expresses how mystified Israel was with it. And that becomes what we're now going to consider about the manna. They said, what is it? And we're just going to turn, turn two words around in this message, and we're going to say, what it is. <laughs> what it is. Okay. Now, we see always with the manna, first thing we always see about the manna is in verse 14. Verse 14, it talks about the dew. And when the dew that lay was gone up, Behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing. <laughs> That's what they call it, a small round thing. And we again see this in Numbers 11.9, where we just read, Numbers 11.9. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. The manna never came without the dew. The dew was always with the manna. It was always there. Now, the dew in scriptures, it speaks about God. It's the spirit of God. It's a symbol for the spirit of God. He said, God said in Hosea 14, 5, I will be as the dew unto Israel. I will be as the dew unto Israel. So, you know, this is, dew is really important out in this part of the, the world because it doesn't rain every day. And yet the plants that are there, they live there as they live here because of the dew because of the dew. The dew carries the waters to the plants every day. And so God said in Isaiah 44.3, Isaiah 44.3, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. So he says in Hosea 14.5, he says, Hosea 14.5, I will be as the dew unto Israel. And then he says, I will pour my spirit there, and that's gonna cause growth. The manna only came with the dew, and the dew covered the manna. And just like it says in verse 14, when, when the dew was gone, oh, there's the manna. 
So the, the dew kind of covers the manna, and then all of a sudden it appears. And when the dew covered the manna, then the dew evaporated, and it revealed the, it revealed the manna that the dew was covering. Kind of like announcing, kind of the dew is sort of like an announcer that says, now, here I'm going to present to you, the dew is speaking, here I'm going to present to you the manna. And then it evaporates. So the dew is like the Holy Spirit. And the manna is like the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the dew evaporates, it reveals the manna. And that's a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit reveals the Lord Jesus Christ. We think that we discovered who the Lord Jesus Christ is. No, 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 no. That was the second question in Isaiah 53.1. The first one is, oh, who discovered? Who hath believed our report? No, 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 let's get a little more specific. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To whom was he revealed? That's the issue. We didn't discover on our own who the Lord Jesus Christ is. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed it to us, which is what I was referring to earlier when I said that he said to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And this verse clarifies it when you see it in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3.17. 2 Corinthians 3.17, where it says, now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Everything is by the spirit of the Lord. We see who the Lord Jesus Christ is by the Spirit of the Lord. We, as we see, we are changed by the Spirit of the Lord. We only see the Lord Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit reveals him to us, and that's what he said in John 16, 12. John 16, 12, where the Lord said, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. See, he will guide. He said, many things to show you, but the spirit of truth is gonna show you. So the picture of the dew unveiling the manna is a picture of the Holy Spirit unveiling the Lord Jesus Christ. So the dew evaporates, it reveals the manna, and then there's, there's and, and that's interesting how that happens too. I mean, the dew evaporates, there's the manna. No great sounding of a trumpet, no dramatic lightning flash in the sky. No, nothing like that. Just, when do you actually see dew evaporating? How do you know it's evaporated? Because it's not there anymore. But, this, but, but, but it's so gentle. It's so silent. It's so much with no indication. The dew just gently evaporates and reveals the manna. And that's how the Holy Spirit, that's how the true Holy Spirit works gently to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. He is portrayed not with thunder, not with lightning, like, oh, the Spirit of God, where do you know? Not that way. It says in 1 Kings 19.11, 1 Kings 19.11, he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains, break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. See, that's the Holy Spirit, a still, small voice, as gentle as a dove, 
And that's how the manna appeared every morning. There was, the, there, there was just the ground before the manna came, and then the manna was, was there. And it was imperceptible, and the, it was just on the ground. That's the way the Lord Jesus came to earth. That's the way he came to Israel. Just one day, he was in line with all the rest to be baptized by John the Baptist, and no one would have known except John the Baptist says, oh, you know who he is? You shouldn't be in that line. I shouldn't baptize you. No, 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 it's okay, you baptize. No, you don't understand, everybody. That's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's John 1, 29. And that's just like the manna. One moment he's not, it's not, one moment he's not there. Next moment he's there. Now, what we see about the manna is, is that it's, just, it's, it's interesting because it's almost like the writer here is saying, I gotta try to describe this to you. And so it starts off in verse 14, and it says in verse 14, there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. It's like, okay, what do we get from that? It's a small round thing. It's as small as the frost, a frost, a crystal frost. Now, what struck everyone at first was it was small. It was small. And it was the size of a frost crystal. And so everyone, they saw it and they thought, and the first thing they, they thought is that it's so small. It's so small. And when it came to bread, I mean, they're used to seeing a nice sized loaf of bread, you know, but when they saw this bread from heaven, they saw it's something the size of a frost crystal and they're shocked with, that's supposed to keep us alive in the desert? You gotta be kidding me. I mean, I don't think that could keep a mouse alive. And that's the bread of heaven? If that's the bread of heaven, everybody must be starving in heaven. You know? And all these comp- comp- com- comments there, they're just not, they weren't very complimentary <laughs> about the bread of heaven. You know, God is sitting there, oh, well, this is fantastic. I'm going to send him the bread of heaven. And then when, they, when, he gets it, when he gets it down, they all say, that's it? That's nothing. That's a little small. I don't even know what you call it. We'll call it, what is it? I mean, what were they doing then? They were looking down on and they were despising the bread of heaven because it was so small. They were despising it. And that's the reaction that the people first had to the bread from heaven, the manna. That's the reaction. (laughs) What a picture of the reaction when Israel got a good look at the Lord Jesus Christ, just like when they saw the manna. And they said about the Lord Jesus Christ, just like they said about the manna in Mark 6.3, Mark 6.3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, of Judah and Simon, are not his sisters with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. So just as Israel despised the small size of the manna, they despised the Lord Jesus. And that's the central point of the first part of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, we talked about Isaiah 53.1. Isaiah 53.2 goes right into this, that's it, that's it. It says, and he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form, no comeliness. When we shall see him, no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Just like the manna. They looked at him and they said, oh, you've got to be kidding. Our God, no. Just as God made the size of the manna to be very small, the Lord made himself to be very small so that when he came to earth, as it says in Philippians 2.5, Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, 
which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashions of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. God made the manna to be small just as he made himself to be of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and humbled himself. And that's the description he gave of himself when he says very few times he spoke about himself, but the Lord Jesus did in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, when he said, I'm meek and lowly in heart. That was his self-description. And that's what offended the Jewish people. The idea, that's our Messiah? That's our king, that's our ruler, meek and lowly in heart. And they said about him the same thing they said about the manna. It's a small thing, it's a small thing. But the shape of the manna is also interesting. It's not flat, it's not square, it's a small round thing, a round thing. It was round, it was round. Now, people say to me, Tom, why don't you get in shape? And my reply is, round is a shape. <laughs> round is a shape. Round is a shape of fullness, right? Okay. And that's the message of the manna. It's the, it was full. The roundness spoke of its fullness. And that's a description of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he is described as being full of grace and truth in John 1.14. John 1.14, the word was made flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the round shape of the manna, it speaks about just how full the Lord Jesus is of grace and truth. He's so full of grace and truth that we all have received from his fullness. We receive from his fullness grace and truth. That's what it says in John 1.16. John 1.16, and of his fullness have all we received, grace for grace. Grace for grace, there's no end. No matter how many people have received him, have received his grace to be saved. There's always room for one more. There's room at the cross for you. There's always room. And, and no matter how great the trial is in our lives, he doesn't run out of grace. He's, he's so full of grace. He always has grace, what Paul calls sufficient. Sufficient, or what God said to Paul, sufficient in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Why? Because of the roundness of the manna, the Lord is full of grace. No matter how much truth that he gives out, he's still the one that says, I am the truth. And there's always more truth for us to receive because like the roundness of the manna, the Lord's full of truth. And Paul said his mission in life was to show just the fullness of the Lord. It's just the fullness. He said that in Ephesians 3.8. Ephesians 3.8, he said, my life work unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's fullness. Unsearchable riches of Christ. Like the man around, unsearchable. These treasures, they're treasures. They're called in, in, in Colossians 2.3. Colossians 2.3 in whom, in the Lord Jesus, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Colossians 2.9, Colossians 2.9, for in him 
dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. And then there's the color of the manna, the color of the manna. Now, it's like it, it kind of has two colors, but I guess one of the colors is white. It says that in, in verse 31. The house of Israel called the name thereof manna. <laughs> Several times it says that. They called it, what is it? And it was like coriander seed white. Now, the, so the manna was white. And white in the Bible always speaks of purity. It always speaks of sinlessness. You know, that was the one of the predominant colors you can see it in the tabernacle was the, the white, the white. It always spoke of the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sinless. He was perfect. Kind of hard for us to imagine that because we're so not that. But that was appointed of Isaiah 53, 9. Isaiah 53, 9. It says he made his grave with the wicked, as rich in his death. But then it says he did no violence. He did none ever violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. He never told a lie. He never told a lie. If I would ask you, have you anybody here ever told a lie? You all should climb under the chairs because we all have. But he could say no. He could honestly say no, only one. No deceit was in his mouth. His sinlessness is described in Hebrews 7.26. Hebrews 7.26, for such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. It's kind of hard for us to imagine that in a person, but that's who he was. He was sinless. He was undefiled by the world. He was perfect. He was so sinless that he could stand in front of his prosecutors, his condemners, his enemies, and could say, all right, John 8, 46, John 8, 46, which of you convinceth me of sin? If I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He challenges his enemies, bring on, bring it on, show me one sin, and no one could. Why? White. The manna was white. It spoke of the sinlessness of Christ. And then we read about the manna in verse 31. It was like coriander seed, coriander seed. Now, coriander seed is interesting. It's medicinal. It's been used for many years to control thyroid disorders. It's been used to control diabetes, and the Egyptians used it for a variety of for healing different diseases. That's what they use it for. But coriander seed is also very fragrant. Anybody ever smell coriander seed before? Okay, some, good. All right. That's kind of like a nice, fragrant, relaxing, warm type of scent. And the fact that coriander seed is described here, and it shows us how the Lord heals us, how he heals us, as it says in Exodus 15, 26. Exodus 15, 26. I am the Lord who healeth thee. And in Psalm 103, 3, Psalm 103, 3, the Lord forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. Psalm 147, 3, 147, 3, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. And as for the fragrance, it was fragrant. Song of Solomon puts it this way. Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Thy name is as ointment poured forth. He says the name is, and that's, that's what the coriander, speak, uh, coriander seed speaks of, which is why I make such a special point and emphasis, especially when I'm with a lost Jewish person, to say his full name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just Jesus, not just Christ, not just Jesus Christ, but the Lord Jesus Christ. I want the full effect of the name. I want the savor. I want the fragrance. Why? Because it's an ointment. 
And when Solomon talked about that in Song of Solomon 1.3, he was talking about a healing ointment and a fragrant ointment. And the healing ointment is what he is really talking about here, and that's what the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is. I know that my Jewish people need to be healed. They need to be healed from the disease of prejudice and of rejecting him. And so I come in with my medicine bag and say, I got just the thing that's gonna work for you. It's his name. And it's his name as an ointment poured forth. That's why his name's so important. Now, we all wanna know, what did it taste like? <laughs> I mean, that's the, what it is, right? Was it like fried chicken or pulled pork or, you know? <laughs> what did it taste like? You know, we have a, bit, we have a lot of emphasis, emphasis on these tastes, you know, in this church. So, you know, what did it taste like, right? This is our area here. So, it's interesting. Because it says in Numbers 11.8, one of the things it tasted like, it tasted like wafers made with honey in, in Exodus 16. But it, 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 we didn't know this from Exodus 16. But we found out here in Numbers 11, 11.8, when it says the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. Fresh oil. Now, I don't know about you. I love oil. I love fresh oil. I love fresh olive oil. That's wonderful. Anyway, I go down to We Olive down there and, and taste all the oils. And for, you know, now that's no good. Find the best one and then buy a whole bunch of it. But the oil, 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 but oil was, had a message that it was sent, that, that, that the people associated with oil. Oil was used for commissioning. It was for used for commissioning or anointing. In fact, all tied up in this concept, commissioning, anointing, oil, is the term Messiah. Messiah has embedded behind it and with it the idea of anointed one, commissioned one, sent one. So the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by God the Father to come to earth to save people from their sins, and this is where the whole concept of Messiah anointed oil comes from, which is brought out to us in Hebrews 1.9. In Hebrews 1.9, it says about the Lord Jesus, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. That was his sinlessness. Therefore, even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Now, it says there, not only tasted like oil, but it says in Exodus 16.31, Exodus 16.31, the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Kind of wonder what that tastes like. Is that like honey graham cracker? No, no, it should be something. Else. But wafers made with honey. I'm not actually sure what it is, but it sounds good. Wafers made with honey. I'll take some. You can give me some. Anyway, this sweet taste of honey, this sweet taste of the manna is like the sweet words of the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Psalm 119, 103, Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are thy words unto my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, Song of Solomon, again, Song of Solomon 2, verse 3, 2, verse 3, as the apple tree among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down unto his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. So there's a sweetness that's associated with his words. Now, the manna, it says it had the color of white, but then in another place, as we saw in Numbers 11, 7, it says the manna had this color of bdellium. Now, bdellium, it's a precious stone. It's a precious stone. And it reminds us, when you read something like that, of how precious the Lord Jesus is. As it says in 1 Peter 2, 7, 1 Peter 2, 7 says, unto you, therefore, which believe, he's precious. What a great word to describe the Lord Jesus. Precious, precious. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.